Well, I can assure you there's not nearly as much mystery around me, and so... Uh, <laughs> Um, but it's an honor to be back and to be with you again and to have the opportunity to speak. And um, I want to send greetings to you on behalf of Deer Run Church. Uh, we pray for you as a congregation often, especially during uh, the season of uh, transitioning. And also my wife, who is not able to be here today, um, you know, she told me very, very matter-of-factly, you say hi to them for me and that I wish I could be there. And so... I want peace in my home, so hi, <laughs> on behalf of my wife. Um, very, very, um, she loves this congregation, and we obviously know many of you here, and so, uh, yeah, so I want to just, a couple things before we start is, number one, I have a feeling that today's sermon is going to feel more like teaching than preaching, and that's just the nature of the content, and so if you're a note taker, um, this might feel more like a classroom, and so you might appreciate that. If you're not a note taker, you might just be like, come on, raise your voice already and preach to us. But um, I want to speak on a topic that I think is, um, is always, always uh, one that we need to go back to and spend time with, and that is the topic of spiritual growth. And I think that every single one of us here today would say, well, yeah, we recognize that we are to grow in our relationship with Jesus and that we need to constantly go deeper. And I want to spend a little bit of time with this, not, not necessarily for you as a whole congregation, because I don't know the... I don't know the, um, the needs and things like that of your congregation, but I do want to speak to us. Maybe this is going to sound more like just for us as individuals. And obviously, as individuals and as a collection of individuals, that's what makes up the church. So I want um, to start by just simply suggesting that, like in most congregations, what I find is that there are usually some people in that congregation who have begun to coast in their own personal relationship with Jesus. And that's why, obviously, I'm, I'm not suggesting that this is the whole church. But if you're one of those people, and I'll, I'll just be very honest, I've been a pastor, like has been said, for 25 years. And as a pastor, I have found myself at times just coasting, um, getting comfortable, getting familiar, um, knowing how to do my devotions, knowing how to have my prayer time. And all of a sudden, I find myself just in a routine. And it's just the practice. And it has not... Um, is intentional or the focus is not um, as it should be. And so I want to talk to us today about spiritual growth. And I trust that if you're listening and you're one of those individuals right now saying, yeah, I don't know the last time I've really dug in to see where I'm at in my personal relationship with Jesus or, or whether I feel like I'm still at the same place I was multiple years ago, um, maybe this is a sermon or a teaching of specifically for you today. And so let me open on a word of prayer and then we'll dig in. God, I want to just invite you. We've already prayed this prayer many times today. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you to speak now. Um, you've laid these words on my heart a long time ago. And now again for this time here today. So I pray you give us ears um, to hear. Uh, Holy Spirit, um, you speak a language that is um, relevant and it is clear to each person here. So we now ask that in your unique and powerful way, Holy Spirit, you would, you would minister and speak into the hearts of every individual so that they would hear you and that what you want them to hear today, um, that it would come from you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, there's a man by the name of Soren Kierkegaard, and he's a Danish philosopher, and he tells a story. And I just have to say, when your name is Ike Unger, you envy a name like Soren Kierkegaard. Um, <laughs> 
And I'm sure some of you can be like, wow, that, you could probably sell books just with a name like that. But um, Serene Kierkegaard, he tells a story of a flock of barnyard geese in Denmark. And you may have heard this before, so bear with me if you have. Every Sunday, this, uh, these geese, they would gather in the barnyard near the feeding trough. And one of their number, the preaching goose, would make his way up onto the, um, you know, he struggle onto the fence. And from there, he would exhort his fellow geese on the glories of goosedom. He would, told, you know, he told them all about the wonders of what it means to be a goose, rather than a chicken or a turkey. And he would remind them of their heritage and how from, you know, all these marvelous possibilities that was in their future. Occasionally, while he was preaching, a flock of wild geese would fly overhead, making their way to sunny France. And when this happened, everyone, you know, would stop and stare, and there in this perfect V formation would be this flock of wild geese flying south to France. And all the goose, all the geese in the barn would look up and say, now that's what we were meant to be. We were not destined to spend our lives in this stinking barnyard. We are destined to fly. And then after some time, the wild geese, their honking would disappear, and the barnyard geese would look down again, consider their comfortable surroundings, knowing that every day their food was given to them, and They were in this environment that was comfortable and secure and safe and familiar. And Serene Kierkegaard says, they never did fly. And I want to suggest to us today that I think that this can be a picture of some Christians. And maybe it's described you. Maybe you're one of those who, when you think about a Christian You're like, man, I want to be that person. I want to be that person that God uses in a mighty way. And and God does amazing things through. And and when you hear what some people are doing and and you you witness the way that God is working in their lives, you're sitting there going like, wow, I, I want that. And then you realize one day that that does not happen naturally. It doesn't happen just by wanting it. It doesn't happen just by you know, hoping and, 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 you know, even being inspired, that there's going to be some things that you need to do. There might be some changes you need to make. And then what I find in many people's lives, after a while, they're like, you know what, I'm content to just stay where I am. So that's who I'm speaking to today. And one of those people would be myself, because I, I find myself sometimes in that. So let me start with the angle from where I'm coming from. And the angle from where I'm coming from is, you know, when we think about spiritual growth, as I am absolutely convinced that there is nothing we can do to grow spiritually without the work of the Holy Spirit. We cannot just simply say, well, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and this, and then I'm going to grow spiritually. So reading our Bibles, praying, worship, fasting, and all the other things, some of that we're going to talk about today, are all important, but without the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives they can be nothing but activities. And so clearly today, we need to recognize that as we're going to go through a whole list of things, 
that we can implement in our lives today that unless we are opening ourselves, unless we avail ourselves and make ourselves available to the Holy Spirit to do a work in us, these can very quickly just become um, activities that we incorporate. In 1 Corinthians, we are exposed to the tension between this, you know, that is in this church. There's this division. And the Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4. He says, For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it. But here's what I want us to hear. But God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. But only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. And they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Now, I want to, there's a lot in this passage, but I want us to really focus in on the fact that Paul is very clear here that when it comes to spiritual growth, it is God who causes us to grow spiritually. And, and maybe for most of you, that's okay, I get that. But I think for some of us, we, we find ourselves at times frustrated because I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, and why am I not growing? And this passage, I think, reminds us of the importance of incorporating different you know, things into our lives, but opening ourselves to allow God to uh, cause growth in each one of us. So although it is important to plant and to water the seed, the one who is ultimately going to make it grow is our Heavenly Father. He is the one who has the authority to make the seed grow. Therefore, everything that we do in life is done to prepare us for growth. However, we must never assume that we are the ones in control, that we are the ones who can determine why or how or you know, how much even we're going to grow. Um, I'm sure you've had these experiences in different ways, but uh, I've had many conversations over the years with people who will come into my office and they'll say things like, Pastor Ike, I have been reading my Bible. I have been praying. I have been coming to church. I go to all every Bible study that there is. I, I listen to podcasts. I'm doing this and I'm doing this, and I just feel like nothing is happening. And they've, they've created this in, in mindset in themselves that if I do all these things, automatically I'm going to have growth. And, and often, obviously, those are important parts or aspects of growth, but often... Uh, people can become very disappointed because they think that it will happen just because of what they are doing. So what I want us to do today is to look at how we can maybe prepare ourselves. What can we do that we would, in a sense, prepare our hearts, to prepare our lives for this growth to be produced? Because God does want us to grow. Uh, There's no passage anywhere in scripture that would ever suggest that God wants us to stay where we are at. Growth is a key part of what God wants in our lives. So what are some things that we can do that will cause us to grow or that will prepare our hearts for God to cause us to grow? So 2 Peter uh, chapter uh, chapter 1 verse 3 says this, his divine power has given us everything we need For a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us for his own glory and goodness. 
Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them, you may participate in, his, in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now let's pause there for a second. So here we are told that God has given us everything that we need for a relationship with him and to escape the corruption of this world. This is something none of us can provide for ourselves. This was done through Jesus Christ. And then Peter goes on, verse 5, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure... They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love one of the things that I hear here is that Paul, I mean Peter in verse 5 says, Make every effort to add to your faith. Now what I want us to hear with those words, and again, I, I, I trust that we're not twisting this passage to mean something it's not meant to be, but what I hear though is Peter saying there's, there should be intentionality in our lives. And that there's a way of preparing ourselves. That there are things we need to do in order for God to produce fruit in us. That we cannot simply just live our lives without feeling a sense of need or responsibility for what we do. So Peter here is very clear. Make every effort to add to your faith. And that's what I want to now sort of direct this to. And so the first thing I want to look at is what are, some, what are three key um, components of spiritual growth? One uh, key to spiritual growth is a personal relationship with Jesus, obviously. Um, and to live in consistent obedience to him. 1 John 5, 11 says, And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And so this is a clear first uh, um, key uh, to spiritual growth. The second one is walking in accordance with the Holy Spirit. When you, surround, uh, when you surrender your life to Jesus, uh, you need to uh, live according to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will live in you and will make you a new person and journey with you and guide you and uh, comfort you and also at times rebuke you. And so we need to recognize that also another part of uh, this is that we walk in accordance with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 16 says, So I say, walk, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are... So that you do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then a third one is to allow the Holy Spirit to fill you. Ephesians 5 verse 18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. To be filled means to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us, uh, to lead us, and I would go as far as to say to control us. In those moments, when you feel prompted or convicted, you must understand that this is the Holy Spirit working in you, and we must obey. 
So a key to um, growing spiritually then is to allow the Holy Spirit to prompt and to lead and to control. So with this in place, let's look at what can we do then to prepare ourselves for growth. Um, growth that God would want to do in us. Now it's important to note that spiritual growth is a lifelong journey. We're not talking here about doing something for a week or doing something for a couple of days and it feels good and and you're excited. No, this is a lifelong journey of allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us. So I want to talk to us today about spiritual disciplines. So the first thing you need to understand, spiritual growth is not a formula. It is not a formula. You cannot add a certain amount of Bible reading or prayer and voila, like a cake in the oven, something comes out and it's awesome and it's, and it's amazing. Um, spiritual growth is a consistent discipline and ongoing journey. It is this constant discipline and it's this ongoing um, journey with, with God. Spiritual growth should not be seen as overly complicated or difficult either. If you want to read a great book on this, um, read Robert Mulholland's. There we go. Um, He wrote an amazing book called Invitation to the Journey, A Roadmap to Spiritual Formation. And one of the things that I loved about his book, this book, is that it talks about how our spiritual growth will also line up with our personality. And so there are times where you know, I know in our church one time, I was talking, I was preaching, and I was, you know, telling them, like, hey, you need to go spend time, and you need to do this, and you need to do this. And one guy comes up to me right after, and he's like, man, if I did what you asked me to do, I would go nuts. It's just so not something I would be comfortable doing. And it's like, well, yeah, you should still be challenged. But one of the things that I love so much about this book that really opened my eyes is that God is not necessarily going to ask you to do something that is completely outside of how you are created and designed. Let me give you an example. I'm an introvert. I'm an extreme introvert. I have almost no issue with solitude. Now, if you're an extreme extrovert, solitude is going to be difficult. But at the same time, while solitude can be very beneficial and something that is like, ah, it's almost like a breath of fresh air in my life, uh, that does not mean that for an extrovert, they should just ignore solitude altogether because it's not something that's easy. And the same thing for me. Just because I'm an introvert does not mean that I should ignore the things that might require you know, me to be a little bit more outgoing and, and, and that. And so uh, I think we want to be careful, but I love the fact that we need to find out who are we, what are we designed like, and then also recognize that maybe some of the spiritual gifts we will find more meaningful for us if they line up with how God designed us. So don't picture your um, spiritual formation as being this thing that is almost impossible for you to do. So as I outline some of these spiritual disciplines, and there's a lot of them, um, I don't want you to feel like overwhelmed by all of these. And it's not a list that you need to now do all of them. But I trust if you're in this place where maybe you're like, man, I'm just really not growing that well, or I'm struggling, or I find, kind of feel stuck, that this list will help us to recognize um, a little bit better what we can do in our lives. But before we get to the list... I want to go through some of the um, statements from people like Dallas Willard and others who just outlined for us the importance of spiritual disciplines. Now, this is a long quote from Dallas Willard, and I don't have it on the screen, so so follow along as as I read it to you. He says this, Now, the simplicity of spiritual disciplines lies in its intention. Its aim is to bring 
every element in our being working from the inside into harmony with the will of God and the kingdom of God. This is the simple focus. We must keep its constant, it constantly before us and not be distracted by other things, no matter how good they may appear. He goes on to say, Of course, we cannot realize this goal on our own, but there is no need for that. God has made provisions for achieving this aim. To grow in grace means to utilize more and more grace in our lives uh, to live by until everything we do is assisted by grace. Then, whatever we do in word or deed will all be done in the name of the Lord Jesus. The greatest saints are not those who need less grace, but those who consume the most grace, who indeed are most in need of grace, those who are saturated by grace in every dimension by their being. Grace to them is like breath. This is according to Dallas Willard's book, Renovation of the Heart. And so I think um, for us to recognize that while we may at times you know, struggle with different disciplines, Dallas suggests here that, well, we need to recognize that grace is something that all of us need. And so spiritual disciplines are then something that we need to constantly apply into our lives. Don Whitney, he says it this way. The spiritual disciplines are those practices found in Scripture that promote spiritual growth among believers in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are habits of devotion, habits of experiential Christianity that have been practiced by God's people since biblical times. Spiritual disciplines are an important part of every one of our lives. Spiritual disciplines are habits, practices, and experiences that are designed to develop, to grow, and to strengthen certain qualities of the Spirit. To build the muscle, in a sense, of one's character, and to expand the breadth of one's inner life. These structures, um, they structure the workout, which trains the soul. Um, some spiritual disciplines are personal. Some are inward exercises that are ex- uh, practiced alone, and others um, require interpersonal relationships and are practiced in community. Um, I learned about spiritual disciplines um, Sadly, not too, too many years ago, um, I was in um, Briarcrest uh, Seminary there, and we went on a spiritual retreat. And this is, this is quite a few years ago, but in my early, early years as a Christian, spiritual disciplines weren't really anything that I was taught. And if I was, it would have been read your Bible and pray. That was the extent, basically, of, of spiritual disciplines. And I remember we went on a three-day silent retreat. And we were not allowed to speak at all. And they um, said the only, only one that you could speak out loud to was God. But you cannot do it in the building. And you cannot do it when you're around people. And this was heaven to me. <laughs> I'm like, whew, I, I love it, you know. Um, and so I spent uh, three days in silence. And then it became murder. I just wanted to talk to somebody. I wanted to, to share. And again, um, the details I'll keep to myself, but what God did in my life during that time, oh, it was incredible. Um, I found myself angry. I found myself crying. I found myself giddy with laughter. I found myself singing. I um, found myself kneeling. And nobody was telling me to do these. But it was this very, very intentional time over the course of three days 
And, and there were multiple other disciplines that we were instructed to do. Um, that just, I believe the Holy Spirit used to prepare my heart um, for an incredible work in my life. So if you've never gone in a season of exercising spiritual disciplines, I trust that you would listen and hear this today and be challenged to consider, should I begin to implement these different disciplines into my life? So what is the purpose of these disciplines? The aim, according to Dallas Willard, sorry, I love the guy, I'm going to quote him a lot. The aim of Dallas Willard is, um, <laughs> the aim of spiritual disciplines, according to Dallas Willard, is of, um, let me start over. The aim of spiritual di disciplines in the spiritual life and specifically in the following of Christ is the transformation of the total state of the soul. This is something, and I'll continue the quote in a little bit. This is something that one of my professors really challenged me on. And he's like, Ike, we become so comfortable with giving some of us to God. And we even get so comfortable with giving some of ourselves to God that there are certain disciplines we almost refuse to do because it would require us to give the rest. And I think this is, again, um, I, I'm not picking on anything, but for me, I love singing. I love worship. I love listening to worship. And sometimes it's like I can picture myself in this big stadium and everyone's singing and it's almost like someone else is singing over me because my voice isn't that amazing and, and I almost feel like they're doing the work for me. And so of course I love that environment because ah, all these people are doing it almost for me. And then I find myself in a way where it's only me and God and he knows me and he loves me, and he wants to show me things, and I'm like, man, could I just be in a big room again? Because it would be easier. So let me read this again. The aim of disciplines in the spiritual life, and specifically in the following of Christ, is the transformation of the total state of the soul. It is the renewal of the whole person from the inside, involving differences in thoughts, feelings, and character that may never be manifested in outward behaviors at all. There are things that God is doing in your life or can do in your life that's never going to be spoken through a microphone. You're never going to really show people, but God is drawing you to, yourself, uh, to himself and you realize that, man, God is so close to me, but this is for me and God. This is not meant for, for others to experience. The purpose, if we want to use the language of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, is to plant and water the seed. We do the spiritual disciplines to exercise our spirit, to make it ready to receive and respond to God. James 4 verse 8 promises that if we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. Our role is to plant and water to see the seed. Our role is to humble ourselves, to draw ourselves towards God so that we can experience His full presence in our lives. This is the purpose of these disciplines. What is most important when coming, doing the disciplines is our attitude. Because if we do not have an attitude that, that is open to hearing from God, then these, again, they just become activities in our lives. So we need to ask ourselves, what is the purpose? Why am I doing these disciplines? And if the purpose is simply so that, well, I heard a sermon on this, or because I, you know, I know I should do my devotions every morning, I know I should spend time with God, and so you know, I have it in my calendar to do this, and so I'm going to do this, and if that's the attitude, if that's the purpose the outcome will not be what it could be. 
So our attitude is a, is a, is a heart of you know, openness to God and to hearing from Him. So let's look through a lot of disciplines that we can do, and some of these are... So the first ones I want to look at are from Richard Foster. Um, Richard Foster separates them into three different groups, um, and this is not a complicated um, um, list. And Dallas Willard and Richard Foster, they were, they were good friends. They worked and did a lot of things together. So his first one is what he calls the inward disciplines. These include uh, meditation, prayer, fasting, study. Now, these were the, the disciplines that, that are more for the individual. They're inward. These are things that you that, that are um, doing a work in, in uh, obviously, inwardly. Outward disciplines. Um, he also suggests that these are the inner realities resulting in outward lifestyle. So this is what God is doing, and you begin to discipline yourself to do um, these different things. So example he has is simplicity, solitude, submission, service. So these are done as a, as a, a way of uh, doing things and living for God. And then the corporate disciplines, confession, worship, guidance, and celebration. Now, obviously, that last list, you can do this also inwardly. Uh, worship is not only something that you can do when you're with people. So this is um, Richard Foster's list. But because Dallas Willard is my guy, I'm going to spend some more time with him. So Dallas Willard, he splits them into two categories. And I've, I have found this to be extremely helpful in my, in my own life. The first category is abstinence, the discipline of abstinence. These are the things that you would remove. So, for example, solitude. Um, being alone, the practice of spending time without others and any distractions. Now, this is my go-to. I absolutely love this. I have a little place every single morning. Uh, my family, we have an agreement. Like Things need to be really bad to come and disturb my time of solitude. But solitude here is not only just a certain amount of you know, time, and, and like a short time. Solitude could also be um, a few days. And I know some of you that are with people a lot like, oh, wouldn't that be beautiful? But solitude is one of them. The other one is silence. No noise, no conversation, just you and God. So let me challenge you. Um, it's getting a little cooler out, so this might be a little harder. Uh, leave your phone, leave your Bible, leave everything, and go and sit at the beach somewhere for an hour and say nothing. No praying, uh, no, you know, nothing. Just silence. And just allow God to minister to you in that silence. Um, fasting, abstain from food, media, entertainment, and anything else that occupies your time, or your energy, frugality. Use your money for purpose outside of your own needs for a time. Or simply practice do, um, using less. Um, Sabbath, doing no work to rest in God's person. Um, and provision, praying and playing with God and others. Um, fasting is, I believe, a discipline that um, many of us Christians have forsaken. We need to take, uh, sorry, sabbatical. We need to take time to rest. Secrecy. Uh, this is the idea. Do not allow anyone to know the deeds you do or the money you give in order to avoid doing them for the wrong motivation. And obviously, I think this can be taken too far in some ways, but I'll just suggest this. Um, secrecy could include something like, well, I'm going to go serve somewhere and I'm not going to post about it. <laughs> I'm not going to share because I don't want that to be why I'm doing them. And so it's a secrecy in the sense of like, God, I'm doing this for you. I'm going to go help someone or I'm going to go whatever it might be. 
And it's not so that anyone will know, but Lord, I'm doing this as a discipline uh, in following you. And then lastly is sacrifice. Stretch your sense of what you can do without for the sake of those who have less. And this is an important one. Um, when you're raising kids, it's often, you know, we, we talk about delayed gratification. And you, you kind of like, hey, if you don't eat that now, you could have two later, you know, and that idea. And sometimes it's good for us as, a, as adults to sort of have that same practice where could you do with less? Um, what could you sacrifice? What is it that you could maybe have in your life that you're like, man, I, we know about the hardships of other people in the world, but what if I would actually allow myself to experience some of those hardships Um, so that I would become more aware of God's provisions and God's grace and God's, um, you know, and just be more grateful for all the things that we have. And so let's take a moment now and let's look at um, the other list. This is the disciplines of engagement. And so these would be the things that we would add to our lives. So study, memorize scripture and expand your understanding of the Bible. Um, don't just read it for the, the sake of just, just reading it, but study it, memorize it, spend time, you know, do a word study or spend time just in one um, book or one chapter for an extended period of time. What does God want to show you? Study it. I think so many times I'm, I catch myself, I'll read it and it's like, oh yeah, I know this passage. And there's beautiful things because the very next one is Bible reading. So there's something very beautiful about reading scripture but also committing ourselves to studying it to fully understand what it means. So then Bible reading, trusting the Holy Spirit-inspired word of Scripture as our guide for wisdom and strength for life. And this, other other ones that are related to this would be things like Bible studies, Scripture meditation, and, and praying God's word. And so Scripture reading is an important one. Worship, engaging corporate worship, but also in personal worship. Um... And it doesn't have to just be, be singing. Find different ways that you uh, feel that you can really worship and express worship to God. Celebration. Practice being grateful and thankful both in your own relationship with Jesus and also with others. Um, celebration is, uh, oh man, it is one of those things that I believe just heals the heart and the soul. Expressing encouragement and thanksgiving to others. Um, and just celebrating the little things. Um, sometimes, you know, I, I think we think that it has to be something significant or big, but my goodness, sometimes it's the little things in our lives that if they weren't there, um, you know, maybe we would, we would realize just how much we need them. And so celebrate the little things in life. Service. Give your time to the church and to others. Um, you know, and if, if I can put a plug in here for you, uh, tithing. Tithing is such a beautiful way to serve. And, and there are many other ways. Prayer. Take deliberate steps to pray regularly and with purpose. Um, praying through the Psalms is a great way to increase your prayer vocabulary. So if you find yourself just kind of praying the same things over and over, and you're like, man, I'm kind of bored with my own prayers, uh, open the book of Psalms and, and begin to practice praying through the Psalms so that your vocabulary is increased. Fellowship. Engaging fellow disciples of Jesus in prayerful conversations and other spiritual practices. Um, This is, again, something that I'll speak for my congregation. Um, I often talk to our church and like, why do we spend so much time in that foyer talking about stuff that we're going to be involved in all week? Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about how, let's ask ourselves questions about 
what is happening in your own spiritual relationship? And how are you doing spiritually? And how can we not just pray for each other, but let's just talk about you know, the different things in our lives. So related here are things like being part of a small group, having a spiritual director and mentoring relationships. Confession. Practice confessing your sins to trusted people who will pray with you and be your spiritual allies. This is a tough one. But there's something beautiful about going up to someone and saying, I want to share with you some of the things that I'm, I'm struggling with. And this is not accountability. This is openly just confessing to someone that you trust about what, what you're maybe struggling with. And then the last one on his list is submission. Submit to the proper people in proper ways. Fight against the sin of pride. And, and for many of us, we might look at this and say, well, I, I have a boss, and so therefore I'm already doing that all the time. But there's something different here but willful submission to another Christian. And asking that person, what are some things that you're seeing? And of course, I, I throw a lot of caution out with this one because we need to have the right people and their right attitude and, and desires. And, and God needs to work in this. But like sometimes going up to someone else and saying, hey, I just want to trust myself to you for a while. What are some things that you are seeing in me that might concern you? And then when they come and they've prayed over it and they've discerned and they've watched and they've journeyed with you and they come back and they're like, here's something I'm seeing. Like, Are you kidding me? No. That kind of submission, there's something very beautiful about that. So as I wrap up today, the team can come up. I want to remind you that these disciplines are not something that we do just from time to time. But these are things that we do over and over in our lives. Many of these disciplines should become part of our everyday life. They are called disciplines because they require discipline. So do not be afraid to take small steps. If you're looking at this list going, well, out of that list, I've never really done this one or this one. Uh, there's some amazing resources out there that, that will outline the, the disciplines for you in greater detail. So a discipline is something that we can do that enables us to... Go and prepare ourselves for a journey with God that we may not be able to do otherwise. So you might be tempted to dismiss all this, but as someone who has been in ministry for many, many years, um, this is my go-to for people when they come to me and they're like, I just feel stuck. I feel stuck in my relationship with Jesus. And my question for them obviously, uh, or always is, is what are you doing to prepare yourself for what God wants to do in you. And usually their response is, I've tried this and tried this and tried this and God did nothing. And then you look at them and you're like, well, how long did you do it? Well, I prayed for a whole week and <laughs> nothing happened. Nothing changed. I read, I read through the whole Bible last year and nothing happened. Well, why did you read through the whole Bible last year? Well, I thought I should do that. And it just became an activity that they did, not necessarily a discipline, um, for the purpose of opening themselves up for what God wanted to do. So church, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here. And like I warned you ahead of time, this felt maybe a little bit more like a classroom than a sermon. But I trust that as you um, have listened this morning, if God has tugged on your heart in any way to say, I need to be more intentional. I need to be more, um, you know, um, open to different ways of connecting with him that you would go and that you would do that. So let me pray for you as a church, and then um, we'll conclude. Father, I thank you so much that our relationship with you is not boiled down to a formula. That even how, as awesome as what we're doing here this morning, 
that there's even more in store for us. So Lord, I pray that the songs that we've sung, the conversations that we've had, um, the time of listening, the time of just being together, that you would use this, but that we would desire more. And that if there's things in our own lives that we're maybe doing that is, are limiting our um, availability or our openness to you, I pray, Lord, that today we would break through that. And then we would step out and try something that we've maybe never tried before with the sole purpose of just making ourselves available to you so that you can cause us to grow and lead us to where you want us. I pray for this congregation. I pray for the, the person that's coming or the family that's coming next week. I pray, Lord, if this is the, the person or the family, that you would go before this church and before them and that this would be a divine encounter for what you want to do here in this congregation. I thank you for all the people here, and I pray that you would continue to minister and continue to use this congregation for your purpose. I thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen.